that points us to you. There's so much going on, and school's finally out, and the students have left. Kids are home, and there's stuff, and parties, and sweets, and it's a, it can be a pretty busy time, Lord, but it can also be a time when people are experiencing their first holidays with a loved one who's no longer here. Or it can be a reminder that it's been a long time since they've spoken to loved ones who there's been a, a breaking of relationships, something is wedged between family members. It can be painful for some too, Lord. And so we pray, agents of hope, that we can be people that will show people some truth and some love, even in the dark way of opening great food and great drink and being full of laughter. We'd also remember, Lord, that this is all about you and you alone. Help us to do that. We love you. Amen. So in the course of the last well, two weeks. Uh, I've been thinking about what cows at practice bombardment. So today, it's a, a look towards the future for us. eternity, that this isn't our home. That this isn't where we're supposed to be. This isn't where we're going to end up. That we are just season leading to our eternity. And so if you have sense and a hope, it's very different. It's almost some time to have a little piece of paper and a little ink pen. There are a few people in your life that it seems like they're completely unflappable, that they don't change. They're even keeled. When tragedy hits, they get through it. They have a confidence. They have a strength. They have a, there's just something about them. But they, well, they might have some pessimism in them, but for the most part, when something hits, they're pretty even to just roll with the punches. And then I had another side of the list, made like the pros and cons list. You put on the other Every little breeze causes anxiety in them. The sky every week for them. Right? Now maybe you're sitting there going, well, one of those is me and one of those is not. I'll let you figure out. I'll tell you. So how does that happen? flow in our spirit? Like, how does that happen to us? And I think there's a couple things that, that are striking. Um, one is that there are people that are very focused on today and the stuff. They're very focused on the, the American dream and getting everything and I need this, I need it organized, I'm supposed to have this way, my life is planned out. So then anything that bumps them, that goes out, well, completely disheveled. This or they're that's chasing the next opportunity, the next experience, the next adventure, and they never seem to be fully satisfied. They're never okay with just what they have. C.S. Lewis wrote a little bit about this. This is one of my favorite quotes of his. If I 
experience in this world can satisfy, the most made for another world, if not God, to satisfy it, but only to arrive. That as we constantly change the next adventure, the next experience, the next, and we've all either been that person or had that moment, or we have, we know the person. They're just ready for the next vacation, the next adventure. This is the one. If I just get that promotion, if I just get that next job, if I can just get this built or this finished or this completed, then all of life will just be peachy. And they achieve that. I just I feel unsatisfied. They're very unsettled because they're chasing things. They're chasing stuff. They're chasing... And so you're either going to be you're, you're satisfied. Maybe, maybe I'm not meant for this world. Maybe the stuff I'm chasing is things that are never going to satisfy because I'm not meant to be satisfied by the world. And so Lewis is trying to get us to see that Lord, not chasing the stuff or the career or the path or the thing, you're going after Christ. That and so this last reading with a, a friend, um, one of our deacons through Advent, it like, I have asked this person um, a lot in my read through the Bible and the year plans and devotion plans, I've just kind of blown by this person. And so if you turn, I think I have it bookmarked properly, this is To, to essentially dedicate him to the Lord. His father has spoken over Jesus. And then we get And then, as a widow until she was 84, she gave thanks to God of Jerusalem. And then, right in the temple, and then John the Anna, or Anna, I don't know how you pronounce it yourself, but we'll say it both ways. Insight into her. She's a prophet. She's always praying and to God and to speak of Him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she had a moment. This is being spoken of this infant. She is in prayer and, and worship that the Messiah is coming. But then look at the circumstance of her life. She was in. She's in. No? <laughs> when she was a virgin. So she was only married for seven years and her husband died. She's a widow. 
So we can say, because if 13, 14, 15, marrying age, seven years, we're just going to ballpark it and say at 20 years old, her husband dies. She has lived as a widow for 64 years. Her life in 64 years of not having a husband, of do you think maybe in a few of those 64 years, she's like, God, why me? God, why? We don't have children. We don't see that. You would be remarried. You would have over and have questions I have. For 64 years, she serving God and going to the temple night and day, praising God. creep in. I don't have kids. I don't have grandkids. My family, I don't have no family to take care of me. Nobody's taken me in. I've not remarried. She's going to feel the pressure of rejection. This pain and the suffering. This is what isn't what I thought my life would be like. And but what does she do? She spends her days Praising God, serving God, going to the temple in prayer for other people, in prayer for the nations, in pray, uh, pray. she's serving. She's a she's speaking truth into some people around her. She's being used, but her life. Would we agree? And she faithfully serves her heart. The job, the career, the kids, the her hope isn't in her hope is in God and God alone. Can you imagine when she receives the prize after her death, faithfully serving, faithfully waiting for the Messiah, and then Jesus ascends to heaven, maybe has and this is all conjecture. I don't have any idea if this will happen. Playfulness of Christ throughout the Gospels. He began praying, and yeah, I can't believe it. In that moment of being with the Father in heaven, with the Son, who she'd been praying for His coming, and then being a part of the the saints that we see in the Book of Revelation that are continually pouring out in praise, she received the prize. It wasn't in her family. It wasn't in the hope of the world around her. It was in the hope of the world that came to save. We see this same in John. The disciples he prayed into the and here we sit these things with the help 
teach you all peace into you. Don't be afraid. Be fearless. Don't be afraid. These things I've spoken to you. So And then he tells And it's going to be better. When Jesus was with them, they had nothing to worry about. He's calming storms. He's doing miracles. There's leaders wanting to kill Until he finally says, it's time. I'll go before. He says, there's a, there's the, a helper, a companion. And when the Spirit comes, you will be filled by the Spirit. And you'll be fearless. You'll have Jesus being with them in the is in the Spirit and the promise that tomorrow is coming. The whole suffering, there's no things to deal with, there's no anxiety. Dwell in you. You'll be fearless. And when you do die, you get the prize. Hope isn't in. You, hope is in the Spirit. Now, why would Jesus tell him all of this? Well, he knew what was going to happen. On the cross, moments after, they scattered. And it takes the resurrection. Jesus appears in the upper room in 40 days, and they're still a mess. And then the Holy Spirit descends, and we see an immediate change in them. There's a boldness that flows out of them because they're indwelt with the Spirit. They're fearless. Their hope is in the presence of God, knowing that that presence will take them into eternity. Jesus knew that fear would grip them. He knew that they... And the enemy loves to cause us to be afraid. By helping us to stay consistently afraid. And so, of course, I went to the news. Any political commentary on anything here, I just want you to see that of the headlines on the front page of CNN, we're talking about all of this fear. All about Tsunami is coming. We have over to Fox News, if it works. Am I not pushing the right buttons? Oh, I lost connection. Phone doesn't like Fox News. First three headlines. Link them all. 
We go to Laramie Live. Runaways. Night. We have a pedestrian. Fear. Over and over and over and over again. No matter what source you look at. And I, you're a smart group of people. You understand that that's how we get manipulated, right? Fear and fear and fear and fear again. From now, fear, fear, and fear. It's a tool of the enemy to keep us full of anxiety and not keeping our hope in Christ and Christ alone. And for a reason. I have no qualms of Toyota, towards Toyota. But you're the problem. If you engaged in fear, then we can sell you stuff. <laughs> right? It, 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 man. It, it, NBC, Fox, or CNN, if you wait till the commercials pop up, and you say, I wonder what's going on in the news on the other channel. You flip it, you're watching more commercials. Because they don't want you channel surfing. Of the people trying to keep you afraid. Fear. I don't think it's conspiracy theory, it's money making. Keeping you afraid. Fear pushes us away from a confidence and a hope in Christ and Christ alone, keeping you afraid. If you've seen the movie Dune, or there's a that fear is the mind killer. There's a whole of philosophy, and I'm not getting into it. But if you're going to read a book or watch a movie and over this Christmas break and you see it pop up, even in movie culture, we know that fear crushes us. Do you remember a few years ago, I've mentioned this before, there was a whole campaign in the skateboarding world that turned into the extreme sports that was no fear. But still, on your dirt bike, no fear, no fear, no fear. We are constantly bombarded and pushed because of our fear. And I want to draw you back to the disciples. Jesus knew they would be afraid. He knew it. He didn't make fun of them. He prepared them. He said the confidence in tomorrow is going to come when the helper comes to dwell in you. When you have the Spirit, you have nothing to be afraid of. We see Anna. Anna, I don't know. I think it's Anna. I don't think it's Anna. Maybe it is. We see her. She has... Who's, where's her next meal coming from? Who's going to take care of her? She doesn't have a husband. In that ancient Hebrew culture, family and family connection and being... I, don't, I'm, I know I'm presuming a lot, but the fact... To the temple and to prayer and to supplication for others and to be a servant to God... She found her hope in God and God alone. And she had 
as a widowed woman for over 60 years, had every reason to be afraid. And every day, prayer. One last passage. Well, yeah. We'll stop there. I belabored the point. I was going to read to you out of the Pessimist Guide to History, but I don't think you need that. <laughs> we'll stick to the word. Um, but I think I'm hopeful. I pray I am. You can judge me on that later. And he which is um, these people things because I gotta say rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church, saying, we can't suffer for us. But confidence in my suffering brings hope to the church. That's that person I'm trying to get you to think about. The person that in the middle of their pain, in the middle of everything coming against them, they still have a hope in Christ. And I over and over and over again, in the worst of times in people's lives, hospital beds, hospice beds, I've seen it over and over and over again. This is terrible. This. What is God doing? But I know He's good. I know He loves me. And when you see that, watch how that filters into the rest of the people that are around. You, you can watch people at a funeral, at a, a person who's sick, at the, in a hospital. You can see it in people around when someone goes, What's going to do with this? But I know he's good. I know he's for me. And you can walk. Which if they don't have a faith in Christ, or maybe it's a little tenuous, and they kind of, I don't know about that. Uh, that seems a little weird. And then you can also watch other people just swell in confidence. That the hope we have in Christ is greater than our circumstances. And Paul, sitting in prison, tells them, I'm suffering, so you know that even though I'm rotting in prison, unfairly accused, Jesus is everything. The church swells. He like this one. <laughs> but more often than not, it's when things bump us and we stay confident in the Word of God that
God to the truth of the Bible. That even when things are bad, we still have our hope in tomorrow. It makes this book that much more true. Because if you can just throw this out in the middle of pain, well then this really wasn't an anchor in your heart to begin with. You continue to the saints. So there's a mystery of the entire of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To the people who's writing this letter to in the church in Colossus, the Gentiles and the Jews, that of glory is Christ of the Spirit. That's the hope of glory. This frees us from being afraid. It frees us of being afraid that we don't measure up. It can never be good enough that my sins are going to keep me separated from God because God doesn't expect you to have the, the indwelling of the Spirit and then in you, God is going to bring Him glory. Not you. He knows and He knows you're not Him dwelling in you is the hope of His glory. You get to walk with a boldness, knowing that my, my tomorrow is secure because I've seen it play out in other people's lives. My hope in tomorrow is filled with confidence that He loves me because it's not predicated on my perfection or my effort. It's on His work on the cross that brings the Spirit to my heart. But I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That even at my worst day, God who is He's not kicking me out because me is the hope of His glory. So now I'm not. test and it's not a good result this is this is I need some friends to encourage me I'm going to need hope with all the confidence in the spirit that Christ in me would give me strength to find the hope in him to be true and I've seen it enough in this church and people in this community I've seen it play out. When children are born and things are amiss and we're not... I've been there. And then I... We got this. We know the church is going to love us. We know they're going to take care of us. We know that our friends are here. We know they're praying for us. I don't know what... I know that God is right there with me. I know that Jesus loves me, even though this seems like. And when all testimonies, it makes God famous to all those who are around us.
comes from our confidence and the hope in Christ. He's our hope. You can't. Local, you can't put it in your family most of the time. They're going to let you down. But you can put your hope in Christ. He's everything to us. And during Advent, we light the candles of hope and peace and love and joy. We, and we light the Christ candle on Christmas Eve. That the season is Jesus. That we celebrate the birth of hope. That we get to read of his compassion and barriers between us and the Father. A confidence in him. That we wouldn't be driven by fear. We wouldn't be driven by... Is a history of the world and all the disaster through certain sections. I go, hey, look, a hundred uh, million people died in this famine. Hey, look, died in a day. And it was like a funny thing to try to get them to see the peaches and cream. And it was all except as a people have done some pretty amazing things to the player in those things. But that's tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. There's the counter book to it, the Optimist Guide to History. It's another fun book. I wish there was the Church's Guide to History that would interpose between the two. Because if church has existed, I know for a fact that the people of God respond to be the agent of hope in a lot of those places. Whether it's tornadoes in Kentucky, flooding in the Midwest, here in Wyoming, it responds. The people of God respond to bring hope. We are a people that should be very lacking in fear. Because we have that if this building collapsed on us right now, and all of us were done, we'd be secure in heaven in an instant if we put our faith in Christ. The economy can collapse tomorrow. And the church will rally around and gather together and we will share everything. People are putting their hope in way more things that are going to cause them great anxiety and fear. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. That's where our boldness and faith comes from. That's why you can look someone in the eye and say, this is pretty dark. But you know, God is in control. I don't know what he's doing, but I trust him. I trust that the work on the cross was everything. So how bold are you? How pushed by the waves of fear are you in your life? 
What do you need to do to have that firm foundation, that firm anchor? It's nothing new. You spend time praying to the Father. You spend time in the Word of God, which gives us our confidence. We see the Word of God play out with hope around every corner. And then you put yourself around those people that I tried to get you to think about earlier today that are going to put a confidence in you because of their confidence in Christ. If you get trepidation, you put them in a room together, do you think that there's going to be hope and confidence come out of that room? You need to have some people in your lives that have a hope that goes outside of circumstance. Pray for those people to come into your life. Pray for them to show up. And when they do show up, lean on them. Why is that that gal, why is that guy, he just never seems to be shaking. He never seems to be worried about things. What is it? Demented, don't hang out with them. And if you know that you're prone to lean towards the fear, then you need to put some people next to you that you love and love you, and they can look you in the eye and go, you need to calm down. It's going to be okay. Christ is not taken off the throne. He's here for us. He loves us. We might not make it another year, but our hope is in tomorrow. It's in Him. And in a world that seems to be very racked with fear, and this is nothing new. You can't bombs being dropped on London and invaders on the Pacific coast, and you can't. There's been fear that's ran rampant. Can you imagine sons and daughters to war when you wouldn't have any communication with them for a year by a letter? Today, we get FaceTime and emails and text messages, and can you imagine waiting? For months and months and months, not knowing if their loved ones were even still alive. We stand in our hope in Christ and Him alone. Let's pray. We try each and every day. I'm not in our weeks and our months where we are. But I pray, Lord, that we would remember. We would remember. Remember the disciples with you for three years. And so, and a storm, and they were freaking out. And you did that out of love for them. You are the master. And even in that, they were going to lose that confidence. So you promised the Spirit. And you tell you're going to need to trust the Spirit that's dwelling in you. And we see Paul tell and we would build each other up. That our confidence in you would carry 
crashing. And our family and friends are drowning in those waves crashing. great confidence, and great hope. This world is desperate for hope, and it comes from you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.